You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. We'll have those stories in just a moment. But first, explosive testimony in Ottawa today. BC MP and former Attorney General Jody Wilson-Raybould appeared before the House of Commons Justice Committee. Wilson-Raybould detailing what she says was a consistent and sustained effort by the Prime Minister's office to pressure her to politically interfere in the SNC-Lavalin case. How are you feeling? After weeks of silence, Jody Wilson-Raybould stepped into the intense glare of the Justice Committee to finally speak her truth. And she started her 30-minute opening statement with this bombshell. For a period of approximately four months between September and December of 2018, I experienced a consistent and sustained effort by many people within the government to seek to politically interfere in the exercise of prosecutorial discretion in my role as the Attorney General of Canada in an inappropriate effort to secure a deferred prosecution agreement with SNC-Lavalin. Wilson-Raybould detailed pressure she felt from multiple departments, including finance. The former Attorney General recalled with precision meetings, including one with the Prime Minister on September 17th, where Trudeau and the clerk of the Privy Council talked about the job losses that could come if SNC-Lavalin wasn't given the deferred agreement. She says they mentioned that there was a provincial election in Quebec at the time, and the Prime Minister reminded her that he is an MP from Quebec. I was quite taken aback. My response, and I vividly remember this as well, was to ask the Prime Minister a direct question while looking him in the eye. I asked, quote, are you politically interfering with my role, my decision as the Attorney General? I would strongly advise against it, end quote. The Prime Minister said, no, 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 we just need to find a solution. Wilson-Raybould says it was clear to her they were trying to pressure her to change her mind on the deferred agreement for SNC-Lavalin. She believes she was removed as Justice Minister because she didn't. And she confronted Trudeau's former Principal Secretary, Gerald Butts, about it just before being shuffled. Where I specifically said, um, I know this has to do with SNC and a decision that I wouldn't take, to which he said, are you questioning the integrity of the Prime Minister, to which I didn't say anything. Several times, Wilson-Raybould sidestepped a question about whether or not she had confidence in the Prime Minister, but she said she quit Cabinet because she could no longer sit at that table. Mike LeCouture, Global News, Ottawa. I strongly maintain, as I have from the beginning, that I and my staff always acted appropriately and professionally. I therefore completely disagree with the former Attorney General's characterization of events. Prime Minister on defense tonight. Keith Baldry joins us with more on that explosive testimony and the mm -hmm. reaction to it, Keith. What are we hearing from the opposition party leaders tonight? Oh, they're jumping on this with both feet. You can be sure of that. You know, the word bombshell is one of the most overused terms in, in politics, but I think it definitely applies to this case. It was riveting television today, watching this all unfold. We carried it live on BC One. Uh, she held a lot of the nation in thrall as she walked through her, her allegations. And again, both of Mr. Trudeau's main opponents seizing on this, one of them calling for his resignation, the other for a public inquiry. Here's Andrew Scheer and Jagmeet Singh. 
It's very clear that Justin Trudeau and his chief advisors have been doing everything they can from the moment these allegations were brought to light to hide the truth. And Ms. Wilson-Raybould has done everything she can to expose the truth. At this point, we're calling on, the just, on Justin Trudeau to do the right thing and to resign. He has broken trust with Canadians. He has been proven that what he has said is not true. and He needs to step aside. What we just heard today was explosive testimony. This was unprecedented. I believe Ms. Wilson-Raybould. If anyone heard her testimony, they would believe her as a credible witness who provided insightful, thoughtful, measured comments. This is unprecedented testimony that bolsters our argument and our call for a public inquiry. It's certainly damaging, Keith. Can Justin Trudeau survive this? Oh, I think he can. I'm not saying he's going to, but I think he can because of a couple of things uh, working in his favor. Uh, he's going to make the argument for whatever you think of what's going on. The other two alternatives, Mr. Scheer and Mr. Singh, are simply unpalatable to enough people to guarantee him at least a minority government. He's also going to be arguing, or he's going to try to turn this issue, and he sort of tipped his hand in his, his comments today, away from this being about political interference and more about protecting jobs, in this case, jobs in Quebec. This may actually help him in Quebec. So, so there's two, two lines of attack. One, this is about the economy and protecting business and jobs. The other one is the other guys aren't any better than what we're having to offer. And he's going to be using the Stephen Harper tagline, painting Andrew Scheer as another Stephen Harper. It's going to get a, be a dirty fight, but the next election is more than seven months away, and that's a long time in politics. A lot, a lot more could change here. We'll definitely hear a lot more about it during those seven months. Keith, thank you. Now to some serious concerns tonight for international travelers heading to India or Pakistan. Canada is now issuing a travel advisory and some flights have been cancelled or rerouted in light of a growing conflict between the two countries. Aaron MacArthur is at the airport for us with more on the escalation in tensions and what travelers need to know. Aaron. Yeah, Chris, Air Canada, one of a dozen airlines around the world that have either suspended or have been forced to reroute flights to India. It's unclear how long these cancellations will last. The sign is clear, but it's not nearly enough information. For the few passengers still trying to get to New Delhi, at YVR, it's a bit of a guessing game how they're going to do that. I don't know right now what is the status. Yesterday we were cancelled. Uh, today I, I don't know. A skirmish erupted on the India-Pakistan border this week. Pakistan claiming two Indian jets had been shot down and as a result Pakistan closing its civilian airspace. All commercial jets forced to go around or turn around. In a way, I would say it's, it's sensible. Uh, so these kinds of things happen and we don't want that to happen. So in a way it's good, even though it's going to mess up everybody's travel plans. An Air Canada flight between Toronto and New Delhi was stopped midway over the Atlantic Tuesday, forced to return to Pearson. Air Canada taking the step today to cancel all flights to India. Travel agents scrambling to get passengers rebooked. We have a lot of people traveling via Asia, via Europe, um, via the States, uh, if, if that's what they need to do. And there's been a few cancellations as well for people actually refunding their tickets. But the vast majority of people are just finding another way to get there. The Canadian government is recommending no travel to Kashmir or the India-Pakistan border until the tensions diminish. The South Asian community in BC watching the situation closely especially headed towards a busy travel time. A lot of people I know during this time do travel to that part of the world and, uh, and especially with the spring break coming, it would be affecting a lot of people. 
Air Canada says it will resume flights to Delhi from both Vancouver and Toronto when it is safe to do so. Flights between Pearson and Mumbai expected to continue as normal later this week. Chris? All right, thank you, Aaron. A Surrey man who worked in Burnaby for more than two decades has been murdered in Madagascar. Stephen Yazinski was doing consulting work for a mining company. He was killed during a robbery, and tonight his family is speaking with our John Hua. I, I still don't want to believe that it's real, but it's, it's been really hard. Stephen Yazinski worked hard most of his life, but never once forgot family always came first. He took every moment he could with all of the kids and the grandkids to, to really be there for them and to like just make those memories. In fact, after working 22 years as a mechanic at the city of Burnaby, a large part of picking up post-retirement consulting work at a graphite mine in Madagascar was the dream to buy a place in Penticton where loved ones could always visit. He was almost like a magnet for everybody um, in the family to come to and it just... It's just unfortunate that, you know, losing someone that special. The dream was stolen away and replaced with a nightmare. Media in Madagascar reporting the 59-year-old was killed on February 1st. Family says he suffered knife wounds to his neck and the back of his head. The brutal result of an alleged robbery over his motorbike and mobile phones. We're still in shock. You know, he was such an amazing person. And it's just, it's just very sad that he's gone. To have something as violent as that, I still, I'm still finding it hard to believe, and it still doesn't sit with me. In a statement, Global Affairs Canada writes, Our thoughts are with family and friends of the Canadian citizen who died in Madagascar. Consular services are being provided to the family. I think that's what's hitting me a lot harder, is because I always just had him there. Yazinski's family has been told three men in their 20s have been arrested linked to a murder over trivial items they say he would have easily handed over. It didn't matter. You could be some random person he just met. And if you needed help with something, he was still right there. Instead, a family is left to pay tribute to a family man and jack-of-all-trades that could fix anything, while at the same time lost without the first person they'd likely go to to mend their broken hearts. John Hua, Global News. Vancouver Coastal Health is confirming two more cases of the measles today. Officials say the two new cases are connected to the outbreak at French language schools in Vancouver. This brings the total number of people infected now to 15. An ammonia leak has forced the evacuation of a Cranbrook arena. Western Financial Place was cleared this morning when an alarm in the plant room went off. Staff were able to get everyone out of the building safely as crews evaluated the situation. They're now working to determine how the leak happened. The arena is home to the WHL's Kootenai Ice. Their next home game is scheduled for Friday. Animal lovers turned out in force today at the court appearance of a Duncan couple who are at the center of an animal cruelty case. The SPCA calling Teddy's case one of the most horrific instances of dog abuse it's ever seen. Catherine Urquhart has more on the potential punishment and the surprise plea by one of the accused in court and a warning some viewers may find details in this story disturbing. Outside the courthouse in Duncan, more than 100 animal rights activists. Emotions high as an animal abuse case against a local couple goes to trial. The support for Teddy is important and I'm glad we've got a great turnout. Hope that the maximum punishment comes down on the accused. 
Last year, SPCA workers seized Teddy the dog from a property in Duncan. He was chained up and emaciated. His collar embedded so deeply, the animal's head had swelled to nearly three times its normal size. Teddy died two days later. In my books, these people should be punished to the full extent of the law and should never, ever, ever be allowed to own an animal again. Inside court, Melissa Tushley unexpectedly changed her not guilty plea to guilty for failing to provide the necessities of life for her dog. She'll be sentenced at a later date. Her partner, Anderson Joe, also facing charges, has pleaded not guilty. Veterinarian Ken Longolier was among those who testified in the case, described by the SPCA as one of the most profoundly shocking and disturbing cases of abuse they've witnessed. Justice for Teddy and for any other animals that are as unfor- unfortunate enough to be abused. The trial resumes Friday. Both Tushley and Joe could face five years in prison, a $10,000 fine, and a lifetime ban on owning animals. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. First, though, residents of Port Coquitlam, a Port Coquitlam apartment building to be specific, say they are the latest victims of a renovation. Many have lived in that building for decades. Sarah McDonald has more on the developers' plans and why tenants say it's a no-win situation. At first glance, this 50-year-old wood-framed three-story apartment complex is relatively unremarkable. But the Bonnie Bray is quickly becoming ground zero for the battle over renovations in Port Coquitlam. It's like a cancer spreading everywhere. And anybody that rents, it's not safe. Many of its more than 100 tenants have called this rental building home for decades, but soon that could change. Not in need of any uh renovations. Longtime tenants like Janet Dumaine might be able to move back in once the work is finished, but they fear by then the cost of rent will be well out of reach. It's devastating. It's devastating because I've been living there for 28 years. The city, which issued the building permit, says its hands are largely tied in this case. The first ever instance of mass renovations to hit one of its two dozen rental buildings. I believe what this landlord is attempting to do is illegal. I mean, these are cosmetic changes he's making, bathroom renovations, kitchen renovations. The owner of the building, which was recently advertised as an opportunity to significantly increase rents, didn't respond to our request for comment. Two addresses tied to it, both mailboxes. There are elderlies, there are disability, there are children that are all going to be thrown out in the street and there is hardly anything that is in our budget. City Council considering putting new measures in place to crack down on similar mass displacements going forward, with those living here challenging their evictions through the residential tenancy branch. There's people that are struggling like hell, and there's people that have money to burn. With seniors, children, and fixed-income tenants potentially out of a place to live. Come July, Sarah McDonald, Global News. A B.C. First Nation is launching a civil lawsuit against Enbridge following a natural gas pipeline explosion. It happened back in October near Prince George, forcing the evacuation of 100 members of the nearby Claytley Tenay First Nation from their homes. The First Nation has now started legal action against the company, asking for a permanent injunction preventing Enbridge from operating the pipeline in their territory and reserves. Oh, they're still going off. Oh, yeah. 
Three days after fire inspectors were called to the Anita Place homeless camp in Maple Ridge, fire broke out today at the camp. Over the weekend, the fire department removed a number of items they said posed a fire hazard, and RCMP arrested six people for refusing to allow inspectors in. It's not known if anyone was hurt in today's fire. The controversy continues in Victoria over the removal of a statue of Canada's first Prime Minister that once stood outside City Hall. The tribute to Sir John A. Macdonald was taken down as part of First Nations re uh, reconciliation. But as Kylie Stanton reports, the decision to pull it down is about to cost Victoria taxpayers even more. It's been six months since crowds surrounded Victoria City Hall, watching as this statue of Sir John A. Macdonald came down, making history. But now its future is in question. We will uh, work through a process with the community to determine an appropriate place in the city for the statue to go. Victoria staff have been asked to look into the possibility of donating the statue or relocating it within the city. I think it really signals to the public that we are serious about doing something with the statue in this year. Um, we put a small budget allocation beside the action item so that there'd be some money uh, once a decision's made. The money now earmarked amounts to $10,000. That's on top of the $30,000 already spent to remove the statue in the first place. Oh, that's what they spent? Yeah, I would have left it in. And so the controversy continues. It just seems kind of shameful, so I'm kind of wasteful actually as well. I would rather store it. There are many other things that $10,000 could be used for. Making matters worse, there are concerns the money allocated may not cover it. Realistically, it may cost a little bit more than that. It's a big, heavy statue and... and uh, and there will be some public process, so I think the amount may be a little thin. It will depend on what's decided, and this time around, the public will have a say. Still, some councillors are already putting their ideas forward of where it could go. Would the cleanest uh, and most appropriate thing for the city to do be to engage the province and see if they would have an interest in... Uh, accepting it. The province says it intends to wait until the consultation process is complete. What's expected to take place over the next year. I know the mayor, I know the members of council and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll have a conversation and take it from there and uh, we'll wait for them to deliberate. Wherever the statue ends up, lessons have been learned, but we'll have to wait and see if that will make the next chapter in this saga any less controversial. Kylie Stanton, Global News, Victoria. A shocking reminder tonight that appalling racism is alive and well in Canada with a sobering example in Quebec. A black player in a semi-professional league subjected to horrible insults from fans while security guards and others watched. He and his family eventually forced to leave, fearing for their safety. It's the incident the entire province is talking about. The LNAH is a six-team semi-pro Quebec hockey league known for the rough stuff. Jonathan Diaby is a former third-round NHL draft pick, currently playing for the Jonquière Marquis. He'd been in the box a few times this game against the Petroliers du Nord in St. Jerome after a number of dust-ups with opposing players. But this time, things really got out of hand. A fan starts taunting Diaby, who is black. Mimes eating a banana, moves like a gorilla, shows Diaby a baboon on his phone. Diaby leaves the ice. Diaby va au At the same time, 
Diaby's family gets involved in an altercation with fans in the stands. The player eventually left the game completely to go to his family. They walked out of the stadium fearing for their safety. The commissioner of the league put out this video apologizing and denouncing the racism faced by Diaby and his family. A number of players denounced the behavior too, and the denunciations didn't end there. I was disgusted. I was really, literally disgusted with what I saw. Enrico Ciccone, a former NHL player, now Quebec MNA, said he was angry. Nobody stepped in to help, security or fans. He thinks there should be criminal charges laid. St. Jerome police said no criminal complaint had yet been filed. Dan Spector, Global News, Montreal. He is a racist, he is a con man, and he is a cheat. Donald Trump's former personal lawyer pulls no punches in his testimony before a congressional committee. Michael Cohen trying to clear his conscience in a stunning and unprecedented day in Washington, D.C. Trump's former fixer using blunt language to describe the 10 years he says he defended indefensible actions by the President of the United States. Meanwhile, Republicans hammered Cohen as a convicted liar who can't be trusted. Today, Michael Cohen, the president's former attorney and fixer, testifying before the House Oversight Committee says he regrets the 10 years he spent working for President Trump. I am ashamed because I know what Mr. Trump is. Cohen saying President Trump knew his political advisor, Roger Stone, was in contact with WikiLeaks during the 2016 campaign about the release of hacked Democratic Party emails and that the president embraced the idea. Mr. Trump responded by stating to the effect, wouldn't that be great? Cohen says he threatened people or entities at least 500 times while working for the president and that he made hush money payments during the campaign at President Trump's request, showing a copy of the president's personal check. To cover up his affair with an adult film star and to prevent damage to his campaign. Republicans working to discredit Cohen, who is headed to prison in part for lying to Congress. You wanted to work in the White House. No, sir. You didn't get brought to the dance. I did not want to go to the White House. President Trump from Vietnam tweeting, Cohen did bad things unrelated to Trump. But Cohen says he lied to Congress about a scrapped Trump Tower project in Russia because the president implicitly directed him to. Mr. Trump did not directly tell me to lie to Congress. That's not how he operates. During the hearing, Cohen apologized to Congress and to his family. Lane Alexander, NBC News, Washington. Donald Trump is on the other side of the world tonight, beginning his two-day summit in Vietnam with North Korean leader Kim Jong-un. It'll lead to really a wonderful situation long term. While Trump expressed optimism that progress will be made in curbing Kim's pursuit of nuclear weapons, the turmoil back in Washington has escalated concerns that Trump will be too eager for an agreement and end up giving Kim too much and getting too little in return. How do you catch fish with your bare hands? Well, if you're in Malta, you wait for a storm. And there's hundreds and hundreds of fish being washed ashore. <laughs> a number of men brave the high waves to pick up fish that have been literally thrown ashore. The driver shooting the video speculates that a nearby fish farm might have been breached. Local news reports say some of the fish were being sold at markets, but authorities were warning the fish might not be safe to eat. 
In Health Matters tonight, a group of major health organizations is calling for stricter controls on vaping. The Clean Air Coalition says a surge in vaping is threatening to hook a new generation on nicotine. And as Nadia Stewart reports, it says easy access is the biggest problem. It is an alternative to smoking becoming ever more popular in Canada. Now, new numbers out of the United States show more teens are trying e-cigarettes, prompting the BC Clean Air Coalition to question whether it's time for a province-wide crackdown. When you have flavors in e-cigarettes like chocolate cherry, pina colada, birthday cake, those definitely aren't the kind of flavorings that we think that an adult who's trying to quit would be using. The Lung Association, Heart and Stroke Foundation and Canadian Cancer Society are all part of the coalition. While vaping products might be helpful to adult smokers looking to kick the habit. They say the opposite is true for youth. There seems to be research that's coming out that indicates that youth who are four more four times more likely to start smoking combustible cigarettes if they start using e-cigarettes. The coalition is calling for the province to implement an application and renewal fee for stores selling tobacco and vaping products. They're also calling for a moratorium or reduction on the number of new stores authorized. They'd also like to see sales near schools and other youth-oriented facilities, as well as stores with a pharmacy, prohibited. We have never, never received one phone call from those organizations to say, how can you work with us? Here the Canadian the Vaping Association says the Clean Air Coalition has never made an effort to see how the two organizations could work together to protect youth, something the Vaping Association says is one of its top priorities. We've been, we've been very bullish on this with governments across Canada, that there needs to be a certification program that can be done third party, that our industry would commit and submit to, that says, if you want to be in this business, you must know these kinds of things. Keeley says they've been working with Health Canada and recently with the province of B.C., advising them on changes that could be made to restrict access to teens. But for now, they believe the system here is robust. Nadia Stork, Global News. In other health news, Weight Watchers has taken a big tumble, and that's costing one of the world's richest women a lot of money. Weight Watchers stock dropped today after the company released a surprisingly weak earnings report. That cost Oprah Winfrey, who owns 8% of the company, just under $40 million U.S. on paper. Weight Watchers has been rebranding itself as WW and acknowledged that its winter diet marketing campaign failed to resonate. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. A bizarre sight on a Turkish mountainside. The dream that didn't quite come true right after the forecast. And just ahead of Christy, a look at a very special day across Canada. The focus of this year's Pink Shirt Day is battling cyberbullying. Global community reporter Michael Newman has a look at some of today's events. Pink it Pink it forward is the motto for the day as thousands of kids and adults don their best pink outfits in solidarity of ending bullying in our community. Today marks the 11th annual Pink Shirt Day, an initiative that has helped the CKNW Kids Fund distribute over $1.8 million to anti-bullying programs across the province. We can actually arm these kids with these messages about how to just show up differently. That's how we can make social change happen. The cause has also galvanized many adult community members to come out in support too including companies and first responders. Pink Shirt Day really just says very much out loud, people are there for you. To prove it, the Pink Army hit the Lougheed Mall, 
giving out gift cards and hugs. Their mission? Spreading the message of love and kindness. Could I have you read out your message? You are so smart. What do you think about today? I think it's wonderful. Now what better way to spread the contagious feeling of joy than to start a happy flash mob in the middle of the mall? Basically, we just want everybody to be like happy today and just one kindness act can go a long way for somebody. It's important for everybody to look out for each other and always care for each other so that we're able to stop bullying and spread kindness. Yeah. Michael Newman, Global News. Michael spent a lot of hours this morning down at Georgia and Granville. So thank you very much, Michael, putting that together. Sophie had a pink shirt on earlier, but it was see-through and not suitable for television, so she had to change. <laughs> but I had pink earrings on. And yes, shoes. And pink shoes. And shoes. And pink lipstick. So you know, Nailed it. I've, I've got pink accents today, but Christy right. is sporting pink as well. Pink anything is just fine. It's perfect. Mm. Yeah, actually. All right, I feel like my shirt's a little white-ish, but it's not, everyone. It is pink, pink, that's for sure. All right, here's a look at the radar imagery. We've had uh, rain or snow falling over the south coast basically all afternoon long, but we haven't actually seen any hit the ground. The air is still so dry lower down, it has evaporated likely before it actually hits the ground, but that will change this evening. Now, these are the temperatures, though, right now. It was mild today. You probably felt it mild, but it's still below seasonal, just mild compared to what we've been used to. Uh, but as the moisture pushes in, there's a likelihood that it will start off as rain or maybe wet snow, but then transition to snow or wet snow overnight will drop down to zero degrees. This is what it could look like at midnight with a band pushing in towards the North Shore Mountains, Metro Vancouver and the Fraser Valley up into the Sunshine Coast as well. And then in the morning, that band shifts further north. So these are the main areas that I'm watching and then East Fraser Valley, but likely easing off in the morning. So I'm really not worried about your commute to work or to school tomorrow morning. That band, though, extending right across southern BC. So we have issued a snowfall warning. Environment Canada has issued that 10 to 15 centimeters of snow. That includes the Fraser Canyon uh, all the way through the Similkameen, also the Okanagan Valley and Boundary Region, and includes the Coquihalla and Allison Pass. So that's through the morning hours tomorrow. Meanwhile, across the north, sunny and cold. That's the plan you've had for many days, and it will continue to to be that way with that big Arctic level ridge. There's a snowfall across these regions, the bulk of it overnight and through the morning hours. Same for the south coast, the bulk of it overnight, easing off through the morning hours, except for the mountain ranges and the East Fraser Valley. Tomorrow will be mainly dry. And then, yes, it clears out. Temperatures still below seasonal, but lots of sunshine on the way. And I'll leave you with sunshine as well from 100 Mile House. This is Jamie Hughes' daughter, who was... Uh, Throwing water in this morning when it was minus 31. <laughs> wow. Mm -hmm. yeah. Love that effect. It's beautiful. Thank you very much. It was built to look a little bit like the happiest place on earth, but it's not quite how it turned out. No, a resort town of more than 700 Renaissance-style villas modeled after Disney castles sits unfinished and abandoned on the slopes of a mountain in Turkey. A four-hour drive from Istanbul the houses were being offered for about $600,000 Canadian, and they did sell more than 300 of them, but the fairy tale quickly turned into a horror film when the overheated Turkish real estate market forced the developer to declare bankruptcy. The developer is still hoping to finish the project, but for now, they sit. 
So they 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 deliberately wanted it to look like Disney. Yeah, like castles. You have your own private castle, and you had to wear like. I don't Disney know. Princess? Disney princess? Yeah, I don't know. It'd be really hair weird. That could be let down from the top. <laughs> Would anybody really want to live in a neighborhood that looks like that? It looks a little strange for sure. It looks creepy right now. It That's does look it creepy. Like. And everybody's house looks exactly the same. Everybody's yeah. house looks bad. You watch. What do you watch? BC1. Of course. <laughs> of course you do. It, everybody was riveted today oh, with what was goodness. going on with. Jody Wilson it was of it was Jody Wilson Raybould on one monitor and then Michael Cohen on the other and yeah. all of us were like yeah back it was and like, forth. Watching, like a tennis watching tennis match. exactly yeah. yeah except all on the topic of sports the yes well we'll start with the Canucks their game actually has just started with the Avalanche but to seriously stay in this playoff race I know they're technically still in the playoff race but to be serious about it they will need to win this game tonight in Colorado, and they should win it in regulation. You don't want to give the Avalanche any points. Vancouver's five points out of the final wildcard spot. The Avs are just one point out of that final wildcard spot. Tanner Pearson, the guy the Canucks got from Pittsburgh for Eric Branson, he is playing in tonight's game, and he will wear number 70. And I do believe he is the first man in history to wear number 70 for the Vancouver Canucks. Wow. There you go. Nico Koskinen. Oh, well, you already know the score. Uh, anyway, Nico Koskinen probably should have been given a blindfold and a cigarette playing behind the Oilers' defense. Luckily, they didn't make him play the whole game. That's a goal by Mitch Marner. That made it 2-1. to one. Then uh, Andreas Johansson. Where is the other defenseman for the Oilers? Those are three forwards and a defenseman. Bad change. Edmonton, you suck. 6-2, Toronto beats the Oilers. There's no other way to put it. So this was last night, Evander Kane and Sedano Chera. Chera, who's 6'9", about 7 feet on skates. Kane keeps going off after him, then he gets hit, and he's not happy about it. So he jumps Chera. That's not always a good idea, because the big man eventually gets up and just starts tagging you. But is that dirty? The NHL said no. The one thing about Chera, he's rather large, so if he hits you, it may be head height. Even with his shoulder, Kane got tossed out, uh, arguing with refs and such. Go over there and think about it. Today he uh, tweeted out three blind mice. He was not happy about the fact that nothing happened to Chara. Uh, the CFL has kicked Montreal Alouettes quarterback Johnny Mansell out of the league because he violated the off-field rules the league had set out for him when he joined the CFL. What those rules were, the league is not saying. So we don't really know what he did. All we know is... Johnny can't play football in Canada anymore. Now, the Alouettes didn't want to cut him. They were told to do it, and no other team can pick him up. Manziel did not have a great 2018, but he did show us at times that he does have the physical skills to eventually be a decent quarterback in the CFL. The problem, of course, is he can't stay out of trouble. He tweeted out his thanks to the Alouettes today, said he'll pursue options in the U.S., maybe with the Alliance of American Football or maybe with the XFL, which starts next year. So Whistler will be the home of the uh, Skeleton and Bobsleigh World Championships. The Skeleton portion starts next Thursday. Bobsledding starts Friday. And one of the best sleds Canada is sending down the hill are piloted by Justin Cripps, SFU grad who was a very good sprinter for the SFU Klansman back in his day. He also lives in Summerland, lives in Summerland, but makes his living during the winter. And he can drive both the two-man and the four-man sled to the top of any podium. Looks good. What's good has been the podium finishes by Canada's men's bobsleigh teams. Canada prepping for another fast World Cup weekend 
and hopefully more trips atop the podium by Justin Cripps. Be it in his two-man or four-man bobsleigh, as Cripps has piloted both sleds to gold medals this World Cup season. The two-man sled, even still, is, feels like an extension of my body. It goes where I want it to go. Um, it just feels very natural. The four-man, I still fight it a bit. It just doesn't translate as well from the two-man, and that's that's kind of because of the, the different angles we have in the sleds, and they're very, very opposite to drive. Cripps is a legitimate threat in either sled he's running in, but it's taken countless trips down the track to get his golden touch. It also helps when you've apprenticed under Canadian greats like Pierre Luters and Lyndon Rush. Cripps rode shotgun as the brake man for both and stored every bump, bruise, and winning run in his memory bank. It's sort of like your two-man is a race car. It's very fast, very agile and nimble. Your four-man is faster than your two-man race car, but it handles like a bus. So it's a little bit different to drive. You have to sort of coax it around and be a little bit more rounder and more gentle with it. Justin's a killer, right? I mean, he's got ice in his veins. Uh, Two-man, he's, he's been really good for, the, for a few years now, and, and I feel like four-man is a bit different to drive, and it, it maybe took a little time to have that transfer over, but now you can tell, you know, uh, heading into the race, he, he feels like he can win every race, and, and that's kind of what he's been striving for. What don't we understand the difference between piloting two-man and four-man? Well, with, with bobsleigh driving in general, the difference between winning a race, going fast enough to win the race, and not is very, very subtle. It's minute things that you're doing with your hands and, and managing pressures. Different feels, but diff- different sensations? Yeah, they're very different. I, you know, it's always, it's been kind of funny. I really enjoy the four-man. I like the team atmosphere and, and having, you know, your whole crew involved in it. Um, it's faster, it's more dangerous, it's more difficult. Um, but I've always had success in the two-man, and winning is fun. So <laughs> it's a bit of a, a trade-off. So it's really nice now to start to have that success in the four-man as well. So, you know, it, it's, it's a lot of fun to drive that now too. Jay Janor, Global Sports. Sure, you can drive the two- and four-man ball, but how good is he in a big green garbage bag going down the hill? <laughs> I'm <laughs> pretty good local. at that, yeah. Yeah, your local hill. Yeah. All right. Very cool. Thanks, Squire. Here's your snow report for tonight. Once again, big ridge of high pressure clearing the skies, dropping the temperature, but not bringing any new snow in the past 24 hours. But that's about to change. A snowfall warning is in place for parts of southern BC. Grouse minus four this morning. Cypress minus six. Revelstoke also at minus six, but Manning Park cool at minus 16. Big White minus 10. Sun Peaks minus seven. Kicking Horse minus nine. And Mount Washington also minus nine. Coming up on ET Canada, why Michael Jackson's family is blasting a new documentary about the late pop icon plus must-see TV. Check out the epic cast of Big Brother Canada Season 7 and the magic of America's Got Talent champ, Canadian Shin Lim. All of that and so much more is coming up at 7 right after the news hour. But for now, it's back to you, Chris and Sophie. All right, thank you very much, Cheryl. His original goal was to lose weight and maybe score a date. <laughs> but a Vancouver man's unusual ski attire and Iron Man endurance has gained him some worldwide notoriety. When you think of a ski suit, you probably picture this, something tight and bright from the 80s. But today on Mount Seymour, you'll find Ryan Pinio skiing in an actual suit. It's tailored. Nobody skis in a suit off the rack. No. The suit gimmick started as a time saver for the 32-year-old who's newly single. And so one day I had a first date downtown, and I was like, oh, should I, 
should I look like an idiot on the first date and wear my ski clothes, or should I look like an idiot on the hill and wear my suit and then smell mountainy fresh? So I decided to wear the suit, and then when I did it that time, uh, it just kind of blew up from there. And While he's yet to pick up another date, he is picking up likes on social media. I saw him on Instagram. This guy's pretty sick. He uh, definitely is full send right here. We can find a date for him. If the suit doesn't impress you, Pinio is also trying to break amateur records among thousands of worldwide users of the Snow app. Tuesday, his 50th consecutive day of skiing, he did 50 runs, making him number one. For those of you that uh, are a little sore after one day skiing, you can imagine what 51's like. How you doing? I'm doing fine. He's lost 20 pounds, but has yet to gain love. He will find love. Exactly. Sure. Unique. Pinio, who's self-employed and owns a home, plans to ski 100 days in a row. So, for the next 49 days, ladies, you know where to find him. Anyone recognized you outside of the hill? Uh, once at the bottom of the hill at the, at the beer store. <laughs> Jordan Armstrong, Global News. But does he like long walks on the beach? Uh, he likes long walks on the mountain. Oh, okay. You can do it both in the same day around here. Because That's actually true. Yeah. Well, good luck, good luck to you on your love life. Yeah, that's right. awesome. All right, we have baby news here at Global BC. Babies everywhere. A big congratulations to online producer Amy Judd and her husband on their little boy, Oscar. He was born three weeks early on February 23rd, taking everyone by surprise including Amy, who, if I'm not mistaken, was sitting at work in labor and didn't realize it, and then he came the next day. Everyone is happy, they are healthy, and little Oscar is adorable, so congratulations to Amy and family. That's how focused she was. Yeah, Very what focused. a trooper. <laughs> good stuff. Thanks for watching, and thanks for supporting Pink Shirt Day, everyone. Have a good evening.